so welcome to 22. Yes. And I think I think when we start today, I think we're going to go uh, to Second uh, Chronicles 20 and verse 22, because last year we did 21, so it just seems right to do v- verse 22. And verse 22 is really the key to this year. I was looking back over over time. Now that I'm Gary the aged. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and uh, oh, God, help me. <laughs> no, but, you know, I went back and reflected on, like even back on June the 17th, now I don't want to rehearse everything that I, you know, I've been through, but on June the 17th, the doctor said, there's nothing more we can do for you, right? And that was at 11 o'clock in the morning. And I remember sitting, I, I sat down to wait for the elevator, and I sat down because, like, like I was stunned. Maybe you think I still am, but I'm doing better. Uh, <laughs> I think I am anyway. <laughs> but, but there was, there's, there's a peace that comes when you serve God, and you can't explain it. Your emotions may be in turmoil, but there's peace. That was at eleven o'clock in the morning, and then at noon, I was meeting my daughter Carolyn. She was our real estate agent, so I was signing the papers for her to sell the house. And so at 12.30, the doctor called me back and said, well, there's three more things that we can do. Went from nothing to three more things. Yeah. And, and so here I am in 2022. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. And I was going to preach standing up this morning, but then I realized I was operating in a spirit of pride. And so <laughs> he opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So I'm sitting today. <laughs> Took me a long time to learn this, but I'm sitting down now, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but anyway, back, way back, way back, when we were we were having church at 50 Thornhill Drive, and we bought a building across the street that we hadn't seen. It was totally hidden from us. We didn't know, I literally, we did not know it was there. We were looking to buy the lot next door. And the city was all about to sell us until they found out we were building a church, and then they refused it. And, you know, no fault to them. They'd like to, you know, their taxes. They don't realize what we provide is more valuable. But anyway, so they wouldn't sell to us. So then the the building across the street was right there, and the price was right, I guess. Anyway, short story is 84 of us marched down one Sunday morning in the rain, from 50 Thornhill Drive down to 110 Thorn Avenue to take over. And I remember walking in, and it was so huge compared to the little, you know, the little spot we had up there. And there was, but there was 84 of us, and so we were really encouraged by that. Unfortunately, a couple of months later, there was about 40 of us because the spirit of leaving came on people. No, the tide comes out, it comes in, and the tide goes out. And, like, we talked to people afterwards, asking them why they'd left years later. Of course, you don't, when the bus stops and people get off, you just let them get off, right? And other people get on, you just keep driving the bus. That's your job, drive the bus. And the bus has a little flash on the front telling you where, where we're going. So if you don't like where we're going, please stay off the bus. Don't get on the bus a little later and start kicking the seats because you don't like the direction we're going in. We had a lot of seat kickers over the years. <laughs> no, the, but, no, but the, the ones that really... Look, please, if, you, if you're here today for the first time, 
Don't come and tell me that you've been looking for this church for your whole life. You might as well leave now. (laughs) Isn't that right? (laughs) One person, we had to pay a year of propane because they were so far in death. After we prayed the propane, they laughed and blah, blah, blah. We were no good for anything. That's, but that's, but, but you need to know that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And so whenever God is about to move, you can expect what we're dealing with right now. The devil knows that the greatest move of God that's ever hit the planet is about to, to arrive. He knows his time is short. And the thing that he would get you to do is walk by sight and not by faith. So you see an empty church instead of a full one. My Bible tells me to call those things that be not as though they were. We kept seeing that church full. And just a little while later, we had a couple hundred people. I say a little while now when I'm telling the story. (laughs) No, no, but walking it out is not. How many of you know walking it out is not any fun most of the time? Faith isn't pretty. And and so and so here we are in 2022, and you know and uh, Habakkuk 2:14 is so real to me. He said, "My glory shall cover the earth." The knowledge of the glory, epinosis, revelation knowledge. The revelation knowledge of the glory shall cover the earth, even like Noah's waters covered the sea. There's a flood that's about to hit the planet, and it's a flood of the move of the Spirit of God. And you saw what the devil can do over the last couple of years. Wait and watch. what. Don't miss what God's about to do by allowing yourself to get discouraged. And for those of you that are watching at home, I just want to encourage you. You know, Hebrews 10.25 says, Not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some do, but even the more as you see the end approaching. Uh, that wasn't a suggestion. God doesn't suggest things. God commands things. And and why? Because it's a kingdom and we have a king. And now if you're staying home because of COVID and all that, I'm not ragging on you for that. You stay home as long as you need to. But but know this, that God's will is for you to be in the house of God. We had to close this place for three weeks because 30 some, well, yeah, we probably shouldn't talk about it on the air. Some people got sick. And so to protect people, we did what we thought we needed to do. And some people liked it and some people didn't like it. But whenever you make a decision, it brings a division. Whenever you make a decision, some people are going to like it and some people aren't going to like it. But you cannot make a decision based on what people are going to think about you. You've got to make a decision knowing that you heard from God. And if you're the only one that heard, like know that you heard from God and know that it lines up with his word. It's always got to be backed up by the scripture. So here we are in, in 2022, and we're expecting. We see a full church on a Sunday. We see it full on a Thursday night. We see people hungry for a move of the Spirit of God, not satisfied with a little dip, not satisfied with, you know, i got God over here. He's my Sunday God, and the rest of the week I live for myself. No, no, it's time, for, it's time to be committed. You know, Nancy mentioned it on Thursday night. I think it's in James 4 and verse 6, where he's, the Bible says that he's jealous over you, that he doesn't want to share you with anybody else. Think about a love relationship, and, and he doesn't want to be engaged. He doesn't want to date. 
He didn't want to just see you on a Sunday and, and wait a whole week to see you again, does he? I mean, that's why we read the Bible through in a year. A lot of people don't do it. And, and, uh, and I don't like it when we get to Leviticus and Numbers and all that. <laughs> I, there's no, there's no fun in it. But I need the discipline. Maybe you don't. Maybe you got it all together. Congratulations. But I need the discipline of that daily Bible reading. And then when I found out that the Hebrew people read the same scripture on the same day all over, all over the world, then I understood why we do it together as a team, as a church, so that we're all on the same verse at the same day at the same time. It's called unity. It's called pulling things together, being a family. Family time. God is doing a work. See, Jeremiah 31 is real, and I'm, I know that's why he put it in the Christmas story. You know, the, the voice of Rachel weeping for her children. And then in Jeremiah 31, he says, don't cry. Don't shed a tear. Your children will return again to their own borders. Don't you know? Look, make a decision today that where God put a period, you don't put a question mark that you read the Bible and know that it's true, whether you feel like it or whether you don't, whether it looks like it or whether you, it doesn't. God gave you promises, and if you'll stand on them instead of operating, so many times people are praying by fear. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Fear does not work. He answers prayers of faith. That's why he said in Hebrews, you know, eleven six. without faith, you can't, it's impossible to please me. Why? Because I need you to believe that I exist and that I'm a rewarder of those. As long as you're anxious, like Job praying over his kids every day, he lost them all. Lost everything because of fear. Don't be losing because of fear. Win because of faith. No, no, but he said in, he said in, in, uh, in Job chapter 3, the last 24, 25, he said, what I have always feared has finally come upon me. Well, try it the other way. What I have always faved, what I've always believed, has come upon me now. I didn't get discouraged. You know, I see, I see such an awesome praise and worship team, and I see them up here in the middle of the week with a, a smattering of people, and I'm thinking, thank God that they walk by faith and not by sight, that they don't allow themselves to get down, that they don't see an empty room, that they see a full room, they see a stadium, they see an arena, they see big, big, because our God is big and he hasn't moved big yet, but big is about what he's, he's about to do. Hallelujah. Believe it. Come on. No, no, believe it. You receive it. Doubt it. Go without it. It's so simple. Am I going to believe God or not? Make a decision every day. This book is the truth. Whether I like it or not, whether I see it, whether I don't, it, when it tells me things I don't like. I remember one time I was preaching in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and it just happened to be at Eagle Mountain Church, Kenneth Copeland's church. And um, I didn't know I was going to be preaching. And I didn't know it was going to be his pulpit up there that I was going to be. I didn't know. And so anyway, Milan Favor was up preaching, and he said, Gary, when I'm done, you're going to finish this for me. I'm sitting there now, the sweat's running down my legs. No, no, I haven't been nervous preaching in a while, but like this is like Kenneth Copeland's place, dear God. But when I got up to preach, the Lord led me to Hebrews chapter 6, and in particular for Ben Priest, because Ben Priest is the president of the tribe of Judah. 
So in Hebrews chapter 6, it's all about covenant. And it says that covenant is the end of all strife. And so when I realize that when I'm in covenant with you, I, I can never be against you. I always have to be for you. Whether I like what you're doing or not, I'm for you. That's what covenant does. Covenant is what God talked in Hebrews 13, 5. I'll never leave you. I'll never fail you. I'll never forsake you. That is covenant speech. And so and so, I, I said that to the, the tribe of Judah meeting that was going on there at the time. I said, you know, Ben Priest, I don't care what he ever does. I mean, I do, but I don't care what he ever does. He's not getting rid of me. I won't leave. You can tell me ugly stories about him. You can make up stuff about him. You can even tell me something that's true about him. I am not leaving till death do us part. That's covenant. You know, that's that's the way we're supposed to live, man. And so, you know, but we don't live, we live, today's society is Judges chapter 17 and verse 6. There was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Well, I think I'll do this and I think I'll do that. You need to stop thinking about that and do what this is. No, no, do the book. Why? Because you'll never be happy. You'll never find peace until you're in the will of God. Until you know you're in the will of God. You run around, do your own thing, and you think you're going to be happy? Let me tell you from experience, it doesn't work. But when you do things God's way, even in the middle of, even in the middle of that bad report in June, uh, my daughter put our house for sale on the market in the morning. She didn't even get the sign up. At 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the house was sold for almost $200,000 more than what we paid for it. That money is in the bank now, and I don't need your paycheck. <laughs> no, I, I never defend. Look, if you've been in the ministry, let me just say if you're watching by TV, by YouTube or however, if you think you're going to get in the ministry to be, yeah, if, you, if you're ready to die, come on in. Yeah. No, no, if you're, <laughs> no, but it's true. It's true. Like there's a death involved and it's not, it's not once a year. It's like regular. You know, you just think you got everything smoothed out and now somebody else, it's kind of like now somebody else is getting ugly. <laughs> somebody else is acting up. Somebody else is leaving. Hallelujah. It's like, give it up, man. You want to do this for fun? I can't remember having so much fun. Oh, look, the reward are the people that succeed. The reward are the people that don't just hear the word. They begin to do it, and you watch you watch them grow. I know. There's nobody here. You think I'm preaching ugly to people here? I'm celebrating these ones. Well, maybe you're acting up a little bit. <laughs> no, this is this. We're... Peter said it this way. He said, I'm going to tell you about this. Although you know it, I would like for you to be established in this present truth. So even though it was true last week, it's truer today. We need to remind ourselves of these things, right? Because it's encouraging. Anyway, did we ever get to 2 Chronicles 20, 22? Oh, okay. We should go there. Well, let's read verse 20 first. 
It says they rose early in the morning. <laughs> it wasn't yesterday, but <laughs> they rose early in the morning. That's good. No, but it shows you there's a, that to me indicates that there's a keenness, that there's an anticipation. They're about ready to go into a battle, but they rose early in the morning. They didn't say, oh, God, help me. Well, I guess they did, but they believed it. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe its prophets, and so shall you prosper. And when he consulted, verse 21, and when he consulted with the people, he appointed, this is the craziest, this is the craziest battle plan you'll ever read. It, no, it totally is. It makes no sense whatsoever. But God, when God is speaking, you're trying to rationalize it. When God tells you things, they don't make sense. Matter of fact, when, he got, when God gives you a dream, if you can do it, you're just dreaming. His dreams ought to scare you in a good way. It's like you need to realize that what he's called you to, what he's called all of us to, none of us can do. And that's where Peter, Second, First Peter chapter 5 comes in, that we humble ourselves under his mighty hand, that he'd exalt us in due season by casting all of our care upon him, not trying to figure it all out, right? And so, um, yeah, so believe his prophets and so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord and, that, and, the, and praise, to praise him in the beauty of his holiness. And they went out before the army. This is what they're doing. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Ki tov, ki leolam, is says in the Hebrew. And they said that, and they said that. They, this is a battle plan. There's a, no, but think about it. There's military outside the door. And you're sitting in here, and God is saying, I, I'm going to tell you what to do now. Sin asked it in them. You know, let them take the bullets, man. No, no. <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. No, bring it, bring it down to today and picture yourself in these stories and realize that maybe the faith that you were operating in needs to get bumped, bumped up a little bit, right? Maybe you've been walking too much by sight and not by faith. It's the world we live in. I mean, we have television that tells the vision. You don't have to use your imagination for anything. And that's, the devil did that to destroy your imagination because your imagination is how you move with God. It's how he speaks with you. That's why, that's why he wrote the book. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind by the word of God so that you can prove the good, the acceptable, the perfect. Imagine yourself in the middle of everything, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. Imagine yourself when the doctor's telling you on June the 17th that you're not going to make it, that you're going to come through on the other side and carry an anointing that will set a bunch of people free. Imagine that the attack, why? Because, because, because again, Romans 8, 28, all things, somehow the problem becomes a promise. Somehow it 
builds strength and character in a person. Amen. Well, uh, sometimes it does. I mean, lots of, everybody struggles. Not everybody develops character. But it's kind of like, are you going to get bitter? Or are you going to get better? It's only a vowel movement. Bitter, better. Am I going to get bitter over the things that are happening to me? Am I going to see myself as a victim or a victor? There's so many victims out there today. The world owes me this and owes me that. Let me just say this. No one owes you anything. As a matter of fact, you were placed here on the planet for one reason only, to find God, to develop a relationship with him, to know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. It's not about your plan. It's about his plan. And through his plan, our purpose is to discover him and who he is. So verse, uh, verse 22 is where we want to look at. When they began to sing in rejoicing, man, there's power in rejoicing. I just think that when you pray, you're asking for things. But when you're praising him, you take things. Like, I don't care. I, it doesn't matter what, how I come in here in that service. When I close my eyes and focus on God, everything shifts. I can feel it shifting. I can, sometimes the tears roll right down my face, not because I'm sad, just because the presence of God comes. You know, I'm not wondering what chord they're playing or any of those kind of things. I'm just entering into praise and worship. You can do it. You can do it, man. And they began to praise the Lord. Look, when they began to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which they were come against Judah. And they were, they were smitten. I, I like that word in the King James, smitten. It's almost like spitting. No, no, there's victory in being, you know, my enemies will be smitten, but not because I'm angry but because I'm happy, because I'm worshiping God, because the things that are going around me aren't changing what's going on in me. What's going on in me is greater is he that is in me than he that's in my circumstance, he that's in the world. Amen. So now we need to go to uh, Judges chapter 22, and you won't find Judges chapter 22 in your Bible. You'll find chapter 21, but when you understand when the Bible was written, Chapter 22 is the book of Ruth. And to, to me, it's really powerful because in the middle of all that judgment, Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, is talked about. Like there's the, the middle of what they were experiencing, God's grace showed up. And really, God's grace, grace, you know, the Bible says that the law came through Moses and grace and truth came by Jesus. Well, the grace helps you to live the truth. Because the truth without the grace is just harsh and, and, and you know, keep my commandments. Well, it's kind of like, you know, like what I quoted at the start of the service, Hebrews 10, 25, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Well, I can take that legally and say, oh, or I can say, that's right. He wants to see me. He's calling me to be a part of the body, not some cancer cell growing off somewhere by myself. That's what a cancer cell is, isn't it? Something that's independent of the body. And that's why he said, that's why he wrote Psalm 133. 
how good and pleasant it is when you dwell together in unity. Not in union. You don't have to like everything that I like or do everything that I do. But unity says, I'm going to find my place here. I'm not looking for a position here. I'm looking for a place here. And when I find my place, I'll be happy here. And I don't need to be running all over the place looking for my place. That's going back to what people say. I've been waiting for this church all my life. Some of them make it six months. No, no, but what happened? Did God change his mind? No. What happens is God begins to work in us and on us many times through the people that are around us, people that might irritate us. But that irritant is what forms the pearl. That's what forms a pearl in an oyster. It's the the irritants get in around and and it begins to secrete what we call the Holy Ghost until you become a fashion pearl. And Matthew 13 says, he'll take you up out of the out of the out from among the people and adorn you. When you like to be adorned, come on. So go through the process. Let people tick you off. No, let the pastor be a pester. You know, and even when I'm wrong, I'm right. <laughs> Hallelujah. So where'd we go? Oh, yeah, now we're going to we're going to the book of Ruth. But on the way there, we should read Judges 17 and verse 6. I got to do watch. It doesn't seem to be working. That's good. Okay. Verse 6. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Well, let me just say this. There's a kingdom. Therefore, there's a king. And I hear so many people saying they want to go to heaven when they die. I said, you want to go and spend all that time with a stranger? You're not getting to know him here. What, what makes you think you want to go there? Oh, you want to escape hell. That's it. Let's establish what that is. Because that's not about a relationship. That's religion. No, no. You want to know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. You need to be crucified with him. Come on. That death doesn't rule over you anymore. So they had no king in Israel. So they did. And this is what people do. I'm just going to do what I feel like doing. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. It's a whole generation, though. It may be two generations deep now. It started back in the 60s and the 70s. So it's been going on a while. But I remember hearing, uh, what was, I think it was Rob Thompson. I haven't heard him in years, but. I heard him say this. He said, I went and told my pastor. His pastor didn't like what he was preaching. He went and told my pastor. He said, Pastor, if you tell me never to preach again, I won't. But you'll have to answer to God. Like that sounds far-fetched, but it's not that far out. If you really believe in God, then you're going to. Anyway, Ruth chapter 1. Ruth means beautiful friend. And there was a famine in the land, and of course, all the judges had been in rule there. And they they loved being taught, but they hate, hated being tested. They preferred preferred uh, uh, how about they preferred um, applauding to applying. How about that? Oh yeah, great message, great. 
No, it's not great until you do it. It's just another word, right? So that's this is where they were in the middle of all this. And um, first one, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man from Bethlehem, Judah, the host of praise, right, went to the country with his wife to Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of one was Imelech and the other one was Naomi. And he said, and, and the name of his two sons were Milan and uh, Chilion. He writes from Bethlehem, Judah. And they came to the country of Moab and they continued there. And Imelech, and Imelech means Emi, El is God and Melech is king. So Emelech is God, is king, right? That's what his name meant. And her, but but look, they went to Moab, and whenever there's a message in, there's so many messages in here. But when you when you go down from Jerusalem to Jericho, you fall among thieves. When you leave the presence of God to go somewhere else, it's no, no. I know people that have done it years ago, and they're still happy. But I know because I've been around here for a long, long time. I know that eventually the devil pays you back. You don't want to get paid by the devil. And Emelech, Naomi's husband, died and left her two sons. And they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpha and the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there for about 10 years. Milan and child Chilion died and both of them and the women were left with two sons and a husband. But again, I look at this and I'm saying compromise carries a high price. Because, because Paul the Apostle said, I've been cast down, but not like everybody deals with things. But there's a big cost sometimes for, for being out of the will of God. Anyway, in verse 6, it says, Then she arose with her daughter-in-law that she might return to the country from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited the people and given them bread. Just think she should have stayed there. Wherefore, she went forth to the place where she had her two daughters with her, and they, daughters-in-law rather, and they went away to return to the land of Judah, Naomi with her two daughters. And um, let's, we're not going to read the whole chapter, but let's just jump down to verse 10. They said, surely we will return to you and your people. Naomi said, don't go with me, because if you're going to wait for me to have another son that you can have a husband, you're going to be waiting a long time. Turn again, my daughters, go your way. I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have, and the whole story is she's telling them she can't have any, she's too late for her to bring husbands to them, which was their custom, which was their law. In verse 14, they lifted up their voices and wept. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave to her. Uh, Jesse DePlantis preached the message one time, are you a kisser or a clinger? No, no, you get me, if you're going to enter into a covenant. She, she said, behold, your sister-in-law has gone back under her people. She said to Ruth, and look at this, and back under her gods, return after your sister-in-law. And Ruth said, I love this. Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. 
Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. And the Lord said so unto me, and more so, if anything but death should depart, cause us to part. This is such a description of covenant. That's the kind of commitment that is so rare today, but it's what God is looking for. How do you know that? Because he wrote a, a, a first covenant, a second covenant, and covenant is a blood covenant. It's something that can't be separated. Matter of fact, Isaac couldn't even enter into the, the covenant, couldn't even be born until Abraham was circumcised because Isaac had to go through the blood. But once you're in that blood covenant, you're in. You're in. And it's, God, I will never leave you. I know I have a will. And I know that my will is more powerful than your word. And, you know, Adam and Eve proved that. He he has power over everything except your will. And he won't take your will from you because then you would, he's already got angels. That, that obey him. He's not looking for somebody to obey him. He's looking for somebody that will enter into a love relationship with him. And so he'll never take your will away from you. It's good to know that because sometimes you wish he would. Yeah. I will go where you go. I will live where you live. Your people will be mine till death do us part. Then we'll be buried together. Ooh, powerful. But again, when you realize this, you realize that contentment will never come from, listen to this, contentment will never come from compromise. If you're going to serve God, serve God. If you're going to believe the word, believe all of it. Apply it to your life. Does it happen overnight? No, he said you'd be transformed. And in 2 Corinthians 3.18, he said you'll be changed from glory to glory into his image, into his likeness. But every time that you submit yourself to him, there's a change that takes place. Every time you surrender your, your stubborn will, any of you ever been stubborn before? No, you're going to tell me anything. How dare they say that to me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I would just like to say that you can write this down too. Contentment comes from commitment to the cause of Christ. I'm telling you, real commitment, say, you get up every day and say, God, I'm yours to command. With that, the contentment, they can tell you on a June the 17th that there's nothing more we can do for you. And it doesn't rock you because you've got this contentment that comes from knowing that you're walking in the will of God. Do you walk in the will of God every day? No. Do you? But, but but we're working it. We're working it all the time. So where you go, I'll go. I love that. Verse uh, 21. This is Naomi. And, and now here, here is where you get bitter or you get better. Here's, here's what your choice is. And let me just say this. Well, let's read what she said here. She said, I went out full. And, and the Lord have brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has testified against me. The Almighty has afflicted me. She said, I'm not, I'm not that person anymore. Well, 
she was, but when you when you read the story, you know that God didn't take her down to Moab. <laughs> she got on the bus and went down there herself. And now she's saying, God, you did this to me. But here's the thing about a struggle. I remember one time they one of the space shuttles, they they took some bumblebees up with them up to the space station and they they were weightless. And so for three or four days they floated around. They didn't have to they didn't have to flap their wings, they didn't have to do anything. It was just so peaceful. And that if that's what you're looking for, you you're not gonna like the results. Because on day four they all died. The struggle produced the strength. It's like the story we read about somebody that raised some monarch butterflies and decided to help one out of the cocoon. So he took a razor blade and slid it open. The monarch came out just looking like all the other ones. Only one problem. Couldn't fly. No strength. So the struggle, much as you don't like it, count it all joy. When you fall into divers temptations, tests and trials, knowing that the trial of your faith is working patience. And when patience has its perfect work, you'll be complete, entire, lacking in nothing. Count it all joy. I remember one time Marion did that <laughs> at a party. A James chapter 1 party. Count it all joy. <laughs> Took the word literally, and that's the way you're supposed to. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to get through this, but that's chapter 2 and verse 1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth. His name was Boaz. Boaz means in him is strength. Mighty man is Gilbor Cheval, and it means a strong, valiant hero, walking in integrity, a proven warrior, a mighty man of valor. And when it says wealthy, he was wealthy on all points, character, morals, and substance. He was a rich man. So I don't know too I don't have time to get into all that story. Suffice to say this, if you read uh, through the gospels, in one of the gospels, it tells a story of a man that um how am I gonna do this in compressed time? Let me just say this, that if if Paul and I were brothers and I was single and Paul was married and Paul died, it's my job to take Shirley. And to, not for her, but to keep his seed going. And so that was that was the law back then. And so um so now these two sons have died, but Boaz is a relative that is able to take and marry Ruth, right? Of course, she didn't know it. But let me just, I'm going to condense this down. She came, let's just read a few verses, and then we'll condense it. He was a mighty man of wealth and power, Boaz. Ruth the Moabitess, and by the way, a Moabitess, if you read through the book of Joshua, wasn't even allowed into the temple, not allowed into the things of God. No, the book of Numbers, Numbers 22, 23, and 24. The Moabites tried to curse Israel, and so they were forbidden from coming into the temple. Here's a Moabitess. The short story is, not only does she marry Boaz, but she has a great-grandson 
named um, Jesse, who had a son named David, the king. So here's this Moabitess in the lineage of Jesus Christ. It's kind of like when you go to Genesis chapter 2 and you find out that a prostitute got in there as well. She was a hoe, and she got into the, into the lineage of Jesus Christ. So in verse 2 of chapter 2, Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, I'm going to go into a field now and glean the ears of the corn that I find grace in his, that I may find grace. Now Leviticus 20, chapter 23 in verse 22, 23, 22, says that when I'm harvesting my fields, I can't harvest the corners. I got to leave them for the stranger. See, God's always trying to teach you to be a giver. Because he knows that if you keep taking, you'll never be happy. More blessed to give than it is to receive? Absolutely. Does it feel like it sometimes? No, it's scary sometimes. Amen. Let me go now into the field and glean the ears of corn after him whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. She went and came and gleaned in the field of the re after the reapers. And her hap, or providence, we would call this providence, was to land in the field that was owned by Boaz of the kingdom of Amalek. Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, Judah, to the reapers. Now, this sounds like the kind of guy you'd want to work for. <laughs> he says, you bunch of dogs. <laughs> no, no, no. Look at how he treated his employees. Tells you something of his character, right? The Lord be with you. And they answered him and said, and the Lord bless you. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was over the reapers, whose dams, who, who, who is this woman? Where did she come from? And she said, I pray you glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and continued from morning until now. Then Boaz said unto Ruth, hear not my daughter, go not and glean in another field. Don't go from here. But abide here fast to the maidens. Let, let your eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go after them. And have I not charged the young men that not touch you? And when you're thirsty, go over to the vessels and drink the water that I've drawn. In other words, everything that I have right here is yours. And the cool part about this story is she came working in his field, and she ended up owning it. See, so... You know, just because she was there, like you cannot limit God to something and say, well, this is all he's going to do. No, no, that was just the beginning of what he was going to do. Not only was she going to get married to the guy, but she was going to end up owning the whole the whole deal. Verse 11, and Boaz answered and said unto her, it has been fully shown to me all that you have done unto your mother in the in law since the death of your husband. In other words, I heard about the covenant that you entered into with your mother-in-law. Nothing that you, nothing that you do is in secret. God sees it all. That's so encouraging to me. That should be so encouraging to you to know that he sees everything. He sees when you make it right. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. And all he sees you is good for goodness sake. 
He doesn't see the bed. He doesn't never, he never ever sees the bed. Again, back in the Christmas story, a child is born, but a son was given. The son of God was born to die. Isaiah 53, 10 says he was born to, born to die and it pleased the Lord to bruise him so that he could love you. So that there'd never, ever be any condemnation on you. That's why if you're struggling with, the, with things and you think it's God, I promise you, based on the word of God, it's not him. Well, I'm having trouble. Yeah, well, you know, my Bible says that the thief came not for but to steal, to kill and to destroy. And, and he also said, don't give any place to the devil. Well, I can't mess around with sin and, and, and think that it's not going to hurt me. It's not, but, uh, but I need to realize that it's not God doing it. It's the devil because I gave him place. I opened up the door and said, you might as well come on in. That's what happens when you, and that's Romans chapter 6, whoever you yield your members to, you become a servant of. And it's very clear there. He's saying, hey, I, he said, reckon yourself dead unto sin and alive unto righteousness. And every time you do that, every time you do that, victory comes. Every time that you fall down and you get up and say, you know what? Uh, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Lord, I missed it. First John 1, 9, thank you for covering me. I'm not using it as an excuse. You gave it to me as a covenant. I'm using it because you told me to use it. So if the devil says I'm using an excuse, he's, he's the one without an excuse. No, he's the one that knows his time is short and he's roaring, going around and there's a roaring lion. He's the one that's going to be tormented day and night in hell forever and ever, not you. You don't even have to go to his funeral. Forget him. Just forget him. Hallelujah. Verse 15 of chapter 2. I think we're going to jump right into the middle of all this here. And when she had risen up to glean, Boaz commanded the young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall under her handfuls of purpose. I'd like that in the King James way of ex explaining it. Handfuls of purpose. Bef now, before she was picking up the crumbs, now she's getting handfuls of purpose. And now she's over at the wagon getting food and water at mealtime. And I, I read from my Bible in another place where the Lord said that those faithful people that worked for Boaz, they didn't take the warm water that came out of the Jordan, they went up on the Mount Hermon and brought down the snow water. Can you imagine you're out there in a hot day, the cold glass of water? Hallelujah. So this was this was how it was turning on in her life. Hmm. We'll, we'll stop at verse 23. She kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean, unto the end of the barley harvest and of the wheat harvest to, to dwell with her mother-in-law. And why I wanted to stop here, well, I was going to teach chapter 3 and 4 as well, but I wanted to close here because, because this is where we are this year. From the barley harvest to the wheat harvest is from Passover to Pentecost. Passover to Pentecost. And this is what I'm believing for the church for you, you're the church. I'm not believing for the building. I don't even want the building. I'm believing for you. You, that this will be you. From Pentecost, from Passover to Pentecost, your whole life 
is going to change. Yes. Yes. That's April the 15th to June somewhere, 6th, 7th. Believe with me. How do I? Leviticus 23, read it and find out God has appointed times called Moedim, Moeds, where he works. And right here, there's two of them where he does his work. Of course, you know what happened at Passover. You know, and, and, and that's also when they left Egypt and took all the stuff. Right? And, and then when you get to Pentecost, that's another outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the barley harvest to the wheat harvest. That's where we're going. Declare it. No, declare it this year. Say, this is where I'm going. I don't care what the media says, what's going on in the world today, but my world is I've got a covenant and a covenant-keeping God, and I'm expecting that from the barley harvest to wheat harvest, everything in my life is going to change. Hallelujah, everything. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Just expect it. Come on, how many of you know you get what you expect? You don't get what you want, but you always get what you expect, what you eagerly anticipate. Trust him. Read uh, Romans 4.21, how, how a, a, a dead man, how an Abraham with a dead woman, he said, I am fully persuaded that what God has promised He's also able to perform. I'm fully persuaded that 2022 is going to be a great year for you. Fully persuaded that the things that have held you back are going to fall powerless behind you as you praise the Lord. The things that seem to bound you fall powerless behind you as you praise him. Hallelujah. Praise him. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.